you know, it's like all the best rock stars wrote the greatest hits when they were drunk. But yeah. personally, after two or three drinks, nothing creative was happening for me. And even if it was, I don't think it was really aligned with what I actually wanted to do. So I'd wake up in the morning and be like, that was a terrible idea. I'd never do that. Hi, everyone. I'm Hetty Holmes, and you're listening to Hacking Happiness with Dose, the podcast that explores what makes us feel good to get those happy hormones firing. This season, we have a stellar lineup of talent from an extreme hula hooper to a 90s icon and former Gladiators star known for her signature hair flick and cartwheels on the podium. We'll also be covering topics such as sober drinking, sexual well-being, therapy through surfing and more. To kick off season five, I'll be talking to Ellie Webb, founder of Caleno, a non-alcoholic tropical free spirit inspired by Colombia, and Millie Gooch, founder of the Sober Girl Society, one of the largest communities for sober women. We discuss how their relationship with booze has affected their careers, blasting the myth that alcohol makes us more creative, how drinking has affected their relationships and libido, their confidence and self-worth, as well as their health and their fitness. As ever, we are so thankful to our listeners for tuning in each week. To help us to keep going, we would love it if you could rate, review and subscribe. Also, please share our newsletter to your friends and family or anyone who you think needs a hit of happiness in their inbox. I hope you enjoy. I just want to thank you both for joining me on the podcast today. Um, and I thought we could just kick off by talking about both of your careers because alcohol has kind of played a key role in both. I mean, Ellie, you've gone into a world of non-alcoholic spirits, like building your own brand. And Millie, you're the founder of the Sober Girl Society, kind of making the idea of not drinking fun and accessible for people. So I'd love to just kick off by understanding like your career trajectories to date and, then, and how you got into this space. So maybe Ellie, you could kick off with yours. Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, I guess I've, I've always been in, in sort of on the brand and marketing side of things. Like I was mm. one of the lucky ones that when I got to uni, I knew exactly what I wanted to do because I loved, um, I loved being quite creative and, and, you know, the art side of things, but I also was really interested in business. And so mm. marketing felt like the blend, the perfect blend of the two. Mm. So yeah, kind of, that was, that was my career path and um, started life uh, at an agency which is quite fast-paced working with FMCG brands and then and then actually moved um, a couple of years later to a company called Matthew Clark who most people won't have heard of because they're um they're one of the they're the largest drinks wholesaler in the UK and so all of the kind of um bar back bars and pubs like the the drinks that you see on shelf they basically deliver all of that um because the big big um, global brands just don't have the network so yeah I did that for about four or five years I worked in marketing so it was we organized it was so much fun you know organize these massive events sampling events and they would be very boozy like gin vodka rum like we'd we create like things like vodka domes and gin gardens and it was all very theatrical so yeah, it was an interesting time. It was very much immersed in the world of alcohol, I would mm-hmm. say. Yeah, but it, wasn't it a, a kind of a chance encounter when you were in Colombia where you were out as a designated driver with your friends and you couldn't find anything to drink at the bar that wasn't laden with sugar or yeah. en- energy drink and you decided like there had to be something different? In the yeah, it was, it was a combination of things, to be honest. So, you know, the, the, the world of alcohol and working in that side of, of the drinks industry can get quite boozy so mm. beginning of 2017 I decided to try dry January for the first time and 
just it was a bit of an eye opener for me because you know I was used to going out with my friends and and opting for a gin and tonic and then everyone would go to the bar and get the usual I was driving mm. um, I would just end up with a diet coke or you know worse than like a glass of water and then um, I just kept having this experience and and then trying to find something that was a little bit more likened to what I was used to drinking when I drank alcohol and just couldn't really find it mm. um, so this sparked the idea and then a couple of months later I, I flew to Colombia and hadn't been back for over a decade so I've got family there and yeah I think that that trip just really served as the inspiration behind behind the brand it's just very much about bringing fun excitement to not drinking because it shouldn't it shouldn't be boring mm. I think the options were just lacking yeah and like I don't know if you both feel this but you know after the second or third glass you kind of forget the taste of it anyway it's almost like you could be drinking yeah. anything it's like it doesn't really make that much importance. So yeah, it's all about just the, the way it's branded, the way it's kind of served to you as well. Um, yeah. And so, and to Millie as well, in terms of your relationship with alcohol over the years, like what led you to, to this point that you're at now with Sober Girl Society? Well, I mean, unlike Ellie, I had kind of no idea what I wanted to do when I went to uni. I know that I liked being creative and I knew I liked writing, but I knew the thing that I found at uni that I loved was drinking. Mm. Um, and so I started working in bars um, in different clubs I was promoting I was a shot girl and just loved drinking and it became like real part of my identity and then when I left uni I kind of carried on those party girl binge drinking habits so I worked in PR for a while and I worked for some booze brands and some fashion brands so I was always going to like boozy fashion week things and then I started working in journalism so I started writing for magazines again I was doing lifestyle so I was going to like fashion parties and I was I was writing about like the best gins on the market and things like that so I literally carried on my binge drinking habits all the way through uni and beyond and I just noticed that it was having a really bad effect on my mental health so I would go out on Friday, I would get that classic like beer, fear, anxiety for like the whole weekend. And I just noticed it kind of started permeating my everyday life. So by Monday, I'd go into work, wouldn't feel great. Tuesday was just about feeling better. And it just got to a point where I just thought this, I can't continue like this. And I went out on a night out with my friends in February 2018, got blind drunk, blacked out, didn't remember getting home, woke up the next morning and just thought I I can't do this anymore mm. so I read um, a book called The Unexpected Joy of Being Sober by Catherine Gray which I highly recommend as a great starting point for anyone and then just decided that that was it I was gonna stop drinking and then seven months later look, I was looking around on Instagram this whole time and I found some support but I found a lot of it was based in the US and I found a lot of it was talking about mommy wine culture and I just couldn't find anything that was like young millennial British girls who were like still socializing still partying but just without the alcohol. So with a very basic knowledge of social media and the fact that I knew I liked writing and creating, I was like, well, maybe this is what I could do. I could start this thing. So yeah, I started it September, 2018 and it's just grown from there really. That's awesome. I mean, you're both very creative people. Like, do, don't you find that um, it's kind of tricky in a way because alcohol can open up your consciousness and like kind of make you full of creative ideas and brings a lot of passion and energy to your work? I certainly found that as a writer. Um, but yeah, I'd be interested to hear your thoughts on that and like how it's different now that you don't drink as much. Yeah, because you're, I mean, I, well, I don't know if we're allowed to say really, but you're an avid writer. <laughs> I know it was on the wraps, but yeah, Millie's just written a book. Amazing. <laughs> so, oh, congratulations. You probably, you. Got, you probably got a, a few views on that. 
Yeah, I mean, when people say that about, because it is a, a common myth, you know, it's like all the best rock stars wrote the greatest hits when they were drunk. But yeah. personally, after two or three drinks, nothing creative was happening for me. And even if it was, I don't think it was really aligned with what I actually wanted to do. So I'd wake up in the morning and be like, that was a terrible idea. I'd never do that. Yeah. But that, having written a book, I, I couldn't have done it if I was hungover, if I was still drinking. So I don't know, for me, that myth is just not true. But I, I think it's, it's interesting because I think it's one big thing that really holds people back because they're like, oh, I won't unleash my creative potential if I stop drinking. And I think I'm a thousand times more creative because I'm just like firing on all the cylinders. Yeah, you've got more energy, haven't you, as well? Yeah, yeah. yeah I wake up and I'm like, right, I'm ready to go. What are we doing today? I've, mm. I've certainly found it like just having gone through pregnancy uh, twice now, like having nine months of kind of imposed sobriety. Like I just do have more energy. I kind of, I'm, I'm more efficient at my work as a result. So like I take, but I was totally that person that would say, oh, it makes me more creative and, you know, we play that card before. But no, it, it is interesting. Ellie, do you find that at all? Like with your kind of past jobs, like did you used to have these kind of creative distillations where you'd get the booze out and you'd kind of have a brainstorm together with your team? Yeah, I think like going to the back to the point about um, kind of alcohol aiding creativity, I think it is mm. a bit of a myth, you know, I think you don't make great decisions when you've had a few. Yeah. <laughs> you might feel great and you might be like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm buzzing and, and all of this. But real, realistically, you don't you don't make good decisions. You, you're not necessarily thinking straight. And I'm always kind of really I've got the most clarity just first thing in the morning when I've just woken up and, mm. and I can, and I can think properly. Um, so no, well, I guess unlike, um, most people in the spirits industry, my, um, my kind of experimentation with this category was relatively boozeless because mm. I was trying to create a non-alcoholic product. So I was like, <laughs> I need to keep the alcohol out. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But it's tricky as well, isn't it? Think about like career progression because so many kind of conversations happen, don't they? When there's like networking events or kind of, you know, after work drinks where you might be able to advance your career by talking to the right person or, you know, sharing a drink at that time. So like, I think that might be another block for people thinking about giving up and like, Again, is it a myth? Have you come across that before with your careers? Yeah, I definitely saw, I definitely saw, and I still see that culture in the drinks industry. It's like, um, you know, you're well thought of if you were um, last one to bed and first one up. It's like, mm -hmm. oh, you know, you've done well if you can do that, but it's just not a healthy, it's, it's not really sustainable and it doesn't make for kind of healthy lifestyle, healthy relationships. Like mm. that, you, that sort of behavior, you know, I saw it. Um, happen and yeah of course it can you know if you're if you are the last one out then you're going to be chatting to people and, and building those relationships with you know clients and and whoever but at the same time you know are you making a fool of yourself are you mm -hmm. embarrassing yourself because you've had a few too many also saw that quite a bit and so you know there are negatives to um to drinking to excess in that way um but yeah, I know I just had, I just always had um, a lot more respect for people that were just not sensible, but just kind of understood what their limits were. Yeah. And respected them. Yeah. Rather than try, trying to kind of prove something. Yeah. yeah, that is good. And I guess when you have a drink like your brand, Kalenio, like you can almost fake it, can't you? And you can still get that buzz and that energy and it can feel like you're still drinking, but then you're not. And you can kind of, it's all about, it's a kind of, security blanket isn't it having that glass yeah. in your hand and like feeling like you are part of the crowd 
but I say it's a lot of a psychological thing I'm laughing yeah massive massively like I when I asked myself when I was making actually creating Colonial I was like actually how many times have I had an alcoholic gin and tonic for example mm. where I would quite happily have been fine without the alcohol I didn't need it I didn't necessarily yeah. want it I wanted like a grown-up drink mm. um so and I think a lot of people are like that they just want that ritual of you know having a drink in their hand when they're out socializing with people so I think it's a big yeah. a big part of it yeah so thinking about like happiness in terms of our relationships so alcohol often goes hand in hand with like the dating scene um can you discuss kind of the role alcohol's played in terms of your relationships like individually like have you always relied on booze to like get you through a date or has it always been central to like your relationships with your partners? Like, do you bond in a certain way when you have a glass of wine together? Well, um, it's an interesting one. I mean, Millie, I guess you've probably done the sober dating thing. and I know you've got lots of friends that, that do it. And, you know, I think it is when you go from, drinking to then suddenly not drinking and then going into the dating scene I think that's that's quite diff different um and some people find it difficult because because of the stigma where you'll go on a date and and someone will be like oh um you're not drinking like yeah. why what's wrong with you and I just think that's so wrong like mm. it's people you know it's a personal decision whether whether or not you choose to drink it's like no no one's business yeah um, and I always just found that really like astonishing like why is none of your business whether yeah. I drink or not? I guess like, it automatically makes them think that you're like a fun sponge or something, like you're not up for having a good time. And it's awful that there's that stigma in place. Yeah. But at the same time, I think, you know, if your partner is supportive of you, like um, whenever I've done um, a taken time off and done dry January, um, it's great if my boyfriend also does it with me because, yeah. then, you know, you eat together, you drink together. It's a lot easier if you're both in it. But Equally, I know lots of people that have got girlfriends or boyfriends or partners that, that, that don't drink and it's fine. Like mm. it, it's fine. They just respect that and, and they, they get on, they get on with it. Talk to us about the, the sober dating scene. What's that like? Yeah, I mean, I've done sort of like every stage that you can do. So I was with my ex-boyfriend for six years and I was drinking throughout all of that. So I've been on the hand of, you know, many drunken arguments and just not communicating properly. And then when we broke up, I was drunk dating, um, which I thought was a lot of fun because I was going out and getting drunk with all these random strangers and it was all very exciting. But I, I <sighs> Then I did sober dating, so I stopped drinking and I did sober dating. And sober dating for me had, well, was just a revolution because I was never finding what I wanted by drunk dating because I think, I mean, I went, I went on dates with people when I was drinking and I would come home and say, they're the one, I found the one, uh, you all need to buy, like, go out and buy a hat. And then the next morning I'd be like, oh no, I don't think I like them. Or I'd meet them again and be like, I don't think this is the same person. And I think when you're drinking, you don't, you don't spot red flags, you don't spot mm -hmm. differences. You're just so like caught up in the moment and you just think that you have this spark together. And then I did sober dating and it was so revolutionary and so like efficient. So mm -hmm. if I told someone I didn't drink and they were like, oh, you're boring, then it was immediately a no-go. And I felt yeah, like I was yeah. <laughs> eliminating people straight off the bat that weren't going to fit with the type of person that I was. Not even like they didn't have to be sober, but they just had to appreciate that I was doing something for me to make my life better and to be happier. 
so then I kind of yeah did sober dating and I thought it was it was so great and then when I was about 11 months sober I met my boyfriend who is a drinker but I would describe him as a very mindful drinker and he volunteered to do our first date sober and it was just so nice because we just like if you can get on with someone for the first three hours of meeting them without a drink you'll get on with them forever I think in my opinion if you can create that spark straight away without the aid of alcohol I think that's always a really good sign yeah it's interesting as well like what we're seeing at the moment through our website we're doing a lot of pieces around like libido and like sex drive and stuff like that and I think stress obviously is is a key part of why people are experiencing issues in those areas but I also think you know, we rely very heavily on alcohol, don't we, to let loosen us up. But over time, it can actually, you know, cause issues with our sleep. It can, you know, make us more stressed, promote cortisol in the body. So, yeah, just interested, like, personally, I know it's a bit of a personal question, but, like, if, if you find that, like, drinking less has affected you, your sex drive in that way or in your libido generally? Uh, I think mine has gone up, if I'm being totally yeah. honest. And, I mean, when you look at the science, it makes sense because you know, it dampens your sexual arousal because your orgasms are made in the brain. They're not necessarily yeah. made in your genitals. And so when you drink, drinking affects the brain. So mm-hmm. it's only natural. And, you know, if you're a woman, it's harder to self-lubricate if you're drinking because alcohol dehydrates the body. So yeah. personally for me, just those little things. And I don't know, from like a spiritual, emotional level, I think as well, you connect more deeply. I think I know sometimes if you drink, you can think you're more like wild and less inhibited, but I don't think you make those really like authentic connections. I don't think there's those like nice tender moments. I don't think you're as present. I think you're like, yay, this is great. It's wild. Mm. I wouldn't say it's like on a deeper level. I think the sex I had when I was drinking operated on a very shallow level. Mm. And now I'd say it's a lot deeper which sounds a bit slushy gushy but okay. no I think it's bang on I think it's totally right and especially yeah. with women like a lot of a lot of it is in the brain as you say and like if your mind is foggy if you're kind of distracted you're not gonna get to the same place as you would otherwise so yeah yeah and just like to add to that like physically like in the past when my boyfriend's had too much to drink he would just fall asleep on the sofa so nothing's happening <laughs> <laughs> we've all been there yeah. <laughs> And so in terms of like socializing with friends as well, like have you come across any like issues with friends who have kind of found it hard that you're not drinking and it's affected your relationships in any way? Yeah, I mean, just from experience and I think you soon find out who your true friends are if you mm. decide to, to not drink or take, take time off because the ones that are just interested in, you know, drunk you or fun you, they'll they'll disappear when when you kind of go oh should we meet up but actually I'm not having a drink Mm. um so you very quickly realize who's there for you as a person and who actually likes you for who you are not not you when you've had a few drinks so again a bit like the the boyfriend and the dating thing it's a bit of a filter um so yeah I know people that have you know quit drinking and have then kind of people have just disappeared from their lives and they've made new friends so Mm. Yeah, it's interesting. And, and Millie, you as well. I mean, setting up Sober Girl Society, that must have been quite a hardcore decision for you, like, you know, bearing in mind all your friends. Like, did they react in a, in a certain way to it? Uh, interestingly, I think the, the majority of experiences I hear are like Ellie's, but mine was kind of different. I think my friends were so relieved that yeah. they weren't having to, like, bundle me into Ubers or, like, call my mum or, do you know, like, all those things, yeah. crying in a club toilet. I think they were so relieved that they were like, this is great. And I kind of, 
there are a couple of mutters that oh you're going to be boring now at the start and I really wanted to prove everyone wrong because I'm so stubborn so like the first few weeks I went out I was out in Shoreditch in my like first week of sobriety until 3am like ended up in a kebab shop and when all my friends realized straight away that actually I was going to be more fun on the night out because they weren't going to have to be like oh god she's crying again she's been sick on the floor oh no we've all got to leave then they were kind of really really supportive and like the name Sober Girl Society I was talking about with like two of my friends who are still quite heavy drinkers now Mm. so we were chatting about it and they were like I think it's great I think you should do it so yeah I've actually been really lucky everyone has been so supportive but I, I do know a lot of people like Ellie who have said you know I'm not friends with these people anymore because we were just drinking partners really and but again yeah I think it's only a positive thing because if people don't support your sobriety I don't think they support you so in Mm. my book that doesn't make them very good friends and you must have made some amazing new friends as well through your community that you've built as well yeah I've I've made some best friends and I don't think I realized how important they would be to my sobriety because I mean one of the reasons I started Sober Girl Society was because as much as my friends are supportive they didn't get it and I wanted to talk to people about you know exciting alcohol-free drinks like Caleno and none of my friends were drinking them and I wanted to ask my friends you know have you got any advice for going on a sober day so that's why I started it was to make connections with people because I don't think I realized how important it was going to be for me to have those friends so now I've got some like absolute best friends who don't drink which has been so lovely yeah and it's kind of like the association with the drink as well isn't it like with Kalenia like the whole idea that I got behind the branding was it's like kind of like a fiesta isn't it it's like bringing in that culture of Colombia like having having a like Latino dance party and it's all about the flavors and like the kind of the energy that it evokes like through the the brand it's cool and there's just so many other options in the market right now as well to make it yeah I think sometimes you definitely have to show people um but I think you know just to to kind of knock the stigma on its head you have to like you did Millie going out with your friends and being sober and being like oh you're still you're still good fun to hang out with sometimes you just have to prove to people and and I think you know with Kalenga it's all about making not drinking more fun and exciting than it previously was and just kind of having that option available to people whether you know whether you're people who are drink with people who are drinking or not drinking it doesn't matter like you're all part of the, the occasion yeah Ellie actually threw a party in January which was her joyful January oh fiesta and I came with loads of my sober friends and if you'd have walked in as a drinker I don't think you would have had any idea that none of those people in that room were drinking there was like salsa dancers there was like music street <laughs> food. it was it was like a, a real party and like no alcohol in sight yeah, yeah. it's cool I mean you, you hear about more sober dance raves don't you and the kind of like the morning dance parties and raves it's like it's very much the norm now and even like fitness festivals like love fit you know you go there and you're there to like work out and like get your highs from exercise and then you you have the festival vibe but without the booze it's kind of it's just the way the world's going I guess and the millennials and the gen z's are kind of really spearheading it which is awesome um so yeah in terms of like happiness through your own kind of yourself so self-care um like how how has alcohol affected your confidence would you say and your self-worth over the years like do you think Obviously, Millie, you've probably had a complete turnaround. You probably felt at your lowest some of those nights that you described. But um, yeah, how has it changed now? Yeah, I mean, I think it's funny because everyone says alcohol gives you confidence. But for Mm. me, I only kind of took away. It gave me initial confidence. But the next day, like you said, my self-esteem was on the floor. Mm. And I think I was doing a lot of things you know when you do things and the next day people will tell you what you did and you're like oh my god I can't believe I did that I was doing Mm -hmm. things that just didn't feel aligned to who I was you know I was like waking up with strangers and god knows what and 
I, it just didn't, it didn't give me confidence. It was like this synthetic confidence. And then now I feel like I've built this real confidence because everything I do, I have to do without alcohol. And then when I do it, I'm like, oh, that wasn't that scary. Here's a little tick in the box. I can do it next time. So like mm-hmm. by the end of sober dating, I was like, oh, just another sober date. And at the start, it was terrifying. But I feel like you build this like really authentic, genuine confidence because you're not constantly relying on booze to like help you talk to people or, you know, make connections Mm. so yeah for me I've only flourished in confidence I would say has it helped you discover like new hobbies as well like things you might not have done before yeah yeah Yeah. I think because you want to get that like you know like the fitness festivals you want to get your kick somehow so yeah exactly you know like surfing or paddle boarding I love anything that's like a bit adventurous and like the morning Mm. rave there's nothing because I still love a party and I still love a rave there's there's nothing better for me than doing a morning rave and be home by like one o'clock and then like what do I do the rest of my day and then be in bed by 10 like just just like switching your day around is what I found but it just, I think it gives you so much more time and so much more energy. There's, I had lists of things I wanted to do when I was drinking. I never did any of them. And like mm. this year I've traveled and people will be like, do you want to do this? I'm like, yeah. Whereas before I'd be like, oh, hang on. No, actually I'm going to be hung over that day. So I'm going to write that day off in my diary. So I'm just going to sit at home with a Domino's pizza. So yeah. Yeah, I just think everything has expanded my world. Yeah. And Ellie, how about you? Do you think you're more confident as a result? Yeah, of- I think it's difficult because obviously it's kind of the two go hand in hand with like you know drinking less and and drinking more mindfully and also starting a business and I think both both of the two things have given me enormous amounts of confidence like way and I think yeah if I look back back on you know the last five even 10 years in the beginning yeah I think you definitely do you definitely use alcohol as this crux to to kind of you know, I need to have a drink to feel confident and mixed. But I think, you know, when you're a bit younger, you're a little bit unsure of yourself. And, you know, I think as I've got older, I'm now approaching 30. But um, it just, yeah, I think you just become more sure of yourself. And you're like, you know what, I don't, I don't need a drink to, mm-hmm. to have this conversation with someone or make, make myself feel like I'm um, more confident. So, yeah, I know. And, and just, I think, like, touching on what Millie was saying, you know, when I was working on um, starting Colonial, I was getting up at like 5am. Mm. I wouldn't have been able to to do that if um, I'd been drinking the night before. Yeah. I have had a clear head of, you know, getting up at five, doing two or three hours work, then going to my day job and then coming back and working on stuff in the evening. So I wouldn't have been able to, I would have been way too tired if I'd, if drink had been in the mix too. So yeah, yeah, you just uh, got to look after yourself. <laughs> Exactly. And I guess it was such a short term effect on your mood, isn't it? Like it's kind of like that fast track to a happy high, but you kind of, you've got all of that in you anyway. Like you just, like Millie was saying, you've got to find other ways to bring that out of you, whether it is, you know, your sober rave or your fitness or something. Music, music, music. music. Like yeah. if I just, um, I got a new Sonos recently and now I'm just like dancing around the kitchen, cooking. <laughs> like that's there. That's definitely my happy eye. Yeah. And have you ever suffered kind of anxiety as a result of drinking too much? Like, I know, Millie, you've touched on this, but Ellie, have you in your career to date ever felt like... Oh, God, yeah. Yeah, I think I, like, I I totally relate to Millie's world because, you know, at uni, um, I definitely drank to excess. I was always, like, I've always been that kind of all-or-nothing person and, and just, um, you know have massive FOMO don't want to miss out so I would always overdo things and then have massive regrets the next day yeah uh, oh what did I say what did I do 
you know, fell down the stairs, it, like I'm so clumsy and it gets, you know, it gets worse when you've drunk loads. So yeah. yeah, I think I definitely have felt that anxiety in the past and it, it is real. And you just sometimes you just question, is it worth it? Like just get, get a control or just don't, don't overdo it. Um, yeah. Are you finding that you're having to like counsel some of your friends that are now kind of going through a similar awakening? They're realizing that alcohol doesn't suit them and you, you've been able to kind of impart advice well I definitely um you know all my friends drink colenios it's opened their eyes I think knowing low sometimes flies under the radar there's some people that know all about it and are like yeah I drink this brand and this beer and this these spirits and then some people are like non-alcoholic what yeah what's that <laughs> they just don't I even think know when you it. live in that industry in that world like you you obviously know all the brands like I feel like you know brands you know, the Seedlet, for instance, like they're very old to us. They've been around for ages, but people still don't understand the category at all. And it's, yeah, it's crazy when they, they understand, they taste it and they're like, oh, that's amazing. Especially if you like the taste of tonic. Like if you mix that with something like Colinio or another non-alcoholic spirit, you still get that, that taste yeah. that you associate with the gin. But yeah, what, what are your thoughts on like kind of recreating a cocktail to make it almost taste the same, but it's like non-alcoholic? Do you think that's kind of, like triggering for someone who is an alcoholic do you think that's kind of like irresponsible or should well, it be- Millie's probably got a few more thoughts on this than me but I think it it totally depends on the person I think some yeah. people some people find it triggering in which case maybe then don't um where yeah. some people find it, it 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 fills that gap between you know if they want to not drink midweek then they'll have a colonial and tonic, but maybe they'll mm. have a cocktail on a Friday or a Saturday night. And you yeah. know, that's fine. It kind of, that's their, that's their kind of weekly routine. Yeah. 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 How about, yeah, yeah. Millie, how about you? Like, do you, have you, kind of, do you think that's triggering for people? I, I mean, from what I hear, some people think it is for me, it's never been a problem. And yeah. also I think it depends what it is. So like someone that their drink was wine might find the alcohol-free wine substitutes triggering, but could happily drink a Caleno. Yeah. It's, it's completely different. And I think, you know, within yourself, what's going to work for you. I'd say if you're in like really early sobriety and you're having real like dependence problems with alcohol, then I would wait until you feel so comfortable. But mm. for me, they have, been one of the things that I would say have kept me sober because if yeah. I didn't have all the exciting drinks that I have I think I would have easily been like oh sod it I'm gonna go and get whatever so mm. for me they've been a lifesaver but I think you have to approach them with caution if you are worried about them yeah but, I mean there's there's no problem with them if you could drink as many as you want so if you don't feel like you've got a problem then I think they're the most fantastic thing ever yeah so thinking about like happiness in terms of like health and fitness obviously you know fitness is a real fast track way to to get happy and feel good in ourselves have you got any kind of past experiences of like going for a run still a little bit you know drunk from the night before or like at the gym really hungover and you know how how that has affected you yeah I mean I, I think when you exercise when you're hungover I think the interesting thing is that you're just trying to feel normal again so yeah. you'd be like, oh, I need to sweat out this hangover. So you actually don't necessarily get like the endorphin high that you would if you were working out, if you were sober. Mm. I think like when you're, when you're working out, you, you just want to feel human again if you're mm. doing it hungover. So I don't think you necessarily get the full benefits mm. if you were there clear-headed. And I think like so much of it is mental for working out as well. And I just think if you're not in the right headspace, you're not going to get the benefits anyway. So 
I mean, to me, I kind of gave up on doing any kind of exercising when I was hungover because I could barely keep my eyes open. Mm. <laughs> but now I exercise so much more than I used to because I was just in this awful cycle before of drinking, feeling better, really trying to exercise and then just ruining it all by drinking. Whereas now I feel like I'm much more consistent. Yeah. And then you yeah. eat rubbish food, don't you, as well, when you're hungover and it's just like a horrible cycle. Oh, God, yeah. No, it is. It is. Because when you, you drink too much and then, like you said, you end up ordering a takeaway or, mm-hmm. you know, getting that kebab at the end of the night. And it, it's just like, yeah, it all, it all kind of spirals in together. And then, like you said, then you don't feel like exercising the next day because you feel yeah. rubbish. So, yeah, it's all like interlinked. Yeah. Very interlinked. It's like might go back to the myth we were discussing earlier about you know feeling more creative with a drink but I I've certainly like woken up I don't know I sometimes wake up with quite a lot of energy and like when I was still a little bit drunk I'd go off on these runs and I'd have these epiphanies about like work or something and I'd feel like in this zone and then I'd always kind of relate back to that and be like oh no it made me get to that place that I wouldn't have got to otherwise but it it is such a myth and like when you think about like scientifically like what's happening in the body like with, you're so de- dehydrated as it is with the with the alcohol in your system and it's like not going to do anything for your performance long term well, it's it's suppressing it's suppressing your thoughts aren't you because you know you hear a lot about um i guess mental health and people using alcohol to suppress their emotions and or stop yeah. them feeling a certain way so if yeah if you apply that thinking then really it, the myth doesn't work it's gonna kind yeah. of dull your creativity yeah exactly and in terms of sleep as well have you ever experienced kind of sleep problems as a result of drinking like because obviously you get that blackout don't you if you've had too much but like longer term if you're drinking you know over you know one or two glasses of wine every every week or every sorry day in the week like that can affect your sleep long term like yeah have you both had experiences with that yeah I have I mean uh, alcohol interrupts the kind of uh, REM stage of your sleep which is Mm. critical and for me I think I would notice sleep then have an effect on my mental health. So it wasn't just necessarily the going out, the drinking and not remembering my night. It was also having a terrible sleep that then put me even more on edge. And I think, yeah, I think it's my sleep now. I sleep like a log. My boyfriend will say like, he'll just look at me and I'll have just passed out. And he's like, I don't, you'll sleep through anything as well. I I think it's, yeah, I think it really messes up your sleep. Mm. Have you ever tracked your sleep with like one of these trackers where you can actually see how the alcohol is affected? I should do. Maybe I'll get, when we go on a night out, if one of my friends are drinking, I'll get them their sleep and I'll track mine and we'll see. Yeah, you should do like a comparative study. Yeah. I've done it before. It's quite interesting because you have like, as you say, like next to no REM sleep. Well, I certainly didn't. And my heart rate variability was just all over the place. And yeah compared to like a good night's sleep without any alcohol yeah yeah I don't know anyone that drinks to excess and and has consistently good night's sleep no they're just the two don't go hand in hand exactly and it affects like your growth hormones and things as well it's like it's not a recipe for for anything good um but yeah so like what is the future for you both like do you have I I know um Millie you you normally do lots of events don't you so how has that been affected by lockdown you still stuff virtually well, the events have been on hold. We are going to do a virtual event, actually. But in the meantime, I have been writing the book. So it's kind of been, it's come at the perfect time, really. So I've literally spent the last four to five months just writing solidly. So yeah, the book comes out in January, which is going to be really exciting. So it's the Sober Girl Society Handbook. So the perfect guide to living alcohol-free. Amazing. And is this with like tips for like bars to hang out in in London as well? Or just are they more kind of, is it like UK focused? Yeah, it's, I mean, it's mainly UK, fo- well, I say it's UK focused, 
there's a few suggestions on like meeting sober friends so how yeah. to meet them in the UK um but hopefully when it gets published in the US we can do a bit more of a US spin on it um but there's I mean it's part like narrative memoir part self-help is how we've positioned it so it's like a bit of my story but it's also you know surviving a bottomless brunch how to do a sober wedding and yeah like navigating no and low menus and all these wonderful choices and you know what's a 0.5 what's not how do you do a sober date it's packed with everything I know about sobriety that's amazing so exciting yeah I learned quite a lot from you know Laura Willoughby of Club Soda uh, yeah came on the podcast before and, and she said that you should like bring alcohol like non-alcoholic drinks like to a wedding and like give it to them behind the bar and then just like not pay corkage because it's yeah. clever because it like you say it's all in the ritual isn't it if someone comes and pours you a non-alcoholic champagne but in the right glass in the right setting you can convince yourself that it is the real thing we're quite yeah. naughty but we've got like these little mini bottles and yeah. So if the team are ever at a wedding or they're not drinking or they know they're going to a pub that doesn't have, um, I don't recommend doing this, but if they know they're going to a pub that doesn't have good non-alcoholic drinks, then yeah, just a little handbag. <laughs> yeah, I, I need to get you to send me some mini bottles actually. Yeah, I would really do. <laughs> but if people didn't know that it was non-alcoholic, you'd look like such an alky, wouldn't you? Yeah, yeah. That's, that's always a funny thing. Like I've, yeah. I've had it before where I've let accidentally had a bottle because I always carry little miniatures around with me like or did before lockdown for meetings and stuff and I was like oh this is handy I've got a little colonial I can add to my tonic (laughs) that's so nice so you just add the tonic and then you're ready to go that's all you need that's awesome and so what it what's on the horizon for you with colonia then in terms of you've obviously you launched the brand a a couple of years ago didn't you yeah coming up to um so the next dry January 2021 oh my god where's time gone will be two years since we launched amazing um so yeah we're just we've got we've got some exciting plans coming up so october is going to be quite a big month for us so it's sober october so a lot of people take take the month off so we're going to be doing a lot of stuff there we've got some mpd coming out which is quite exciting um and then christmas is always pretty mental there's a lot of people gift uh to you know friends and family that they know don't drink or who are trying to drink less or pregnant mm. so that's always a big one and then you've got dry january so actually so yeah we're coming into like our busiest, <laughs> yeah it's yeah, our like big busiest time of the year so yeah. um, and you know lockdown hasn't been easy <laughs> so yeah i think the, the team has been working really hard yeah i don't know if you found this from your studies but we certainly found it from like our readers that initially there was that spike where everyone was on house party all the time like having their drinks and cocktails and it lasted for about six weeks this novelty of being able to drink like whenever you wanted to at home with no boundaries and then suddenly people were like oh my god no this isn't really good for me and they kind of went the other way and then started like any piece we were doing about like sobriety or like drinking more mindfully was just performing so well after that point yeah so I think, yeah People yeah, I think the drink like that. It's just it was the novelty of it at first. I think it was. I think it was. Yeah, everyone was like, "Oh, this is weird and different." And yeah, like I haven't. I don't have to be in the office tomorrow. Therefore, I have a few yeah. extra drinks. And and then I think very quickly the novelty kind of wore off. And it was like, "Oh, actually, I can't. I can't really drink this much every night because I'm not sleeping well or I'm not feeling great and I'm not, you know, I'm not performing well in my day." So I think, yeah, people kind of quickly because we actually saw. Uh, a massive spike you know um past march so from april may um and onwards we saw like massive increases in, online and and just i think more people were experimenting at home and going you know i'm going to try uh Kalenio and and try out some cocktails and and make them you know lock people with their family maybe so 
yeah yeah we definitely saw definitely saw a bit of a spike yeah awesome well yeah busy six months ahead for you for sure yeah <laughs> well thank you both so much for joining me on the podcast today it's been an absolute pleasure speaking to you both and yeah Likewise. i need to try some Kalinia cocktail if you have any questions about today's podcast please drop us a line at hello at whateveryourdose.com